The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase Podcast. Salim, welcome back to the pod. I talked to you last fall. I think it was the first uh, Bears game of the year last year. So it's been a while. How have you been? Good, good. How about yourself, man? Yeah, it's been a long time. It's it was funny. We were we were watching the score as we were talking, and the Bears were down at that point, and we were not surprised. And all of a sudden, you know, they came back and somehow won that game. Right. Yeah, exactly. But uh, kind of, I think obviously, I can't remember exactly what we were talking about, probably just expectations and like eight and eight. And that's pretty much what they ended up being. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was uh, like I said, going into that season, I I was not excited at all because like, yeah, it's funny because I had called in on Lekin Odala and doing the baseball show to talk about the Bears. <laughs> mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. but uh, shout out Lekin Abdallah. Shout out uh, and just to talk about how I was not really, you know, excited about the season because yeah. same old, same old, like good defense, quarterback issues, offense is going to be same old, same old, yeah. miserable. Yeah, but yeah, it's turned well, out as expected. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So obviously I want to talk Bulls with you. You host and co-host, I guess, is probably more accurate but you co-host the bulls gold podcast uh how's that been going for you with this season and everything yeah you know the season started out uh better than expected i think uh i was surprised to see them being more competitive in a lot of these games than uh originally i thought they would uh zach took a big step as far as his development's concerned um Coming into the season, I, I was had a lot of question marks about this t- roster. I wasn't sure if any of these guys would be here by yeah. the end of next offseason. But, yeah, Zach took a huge step, and it kind of became a situation where, like, okay, we could potentially move Zach to, you know what, I think you should keep this guy because it's hard to get players like him in this league, especially I know he does have his defensive issues at times. Uh, he has improved, but he's still not really, you know, he still has his lapses on defense. But the way he can score the ball, it's just special. He's probably a handful of guys in the league that can score the ball like he can. So that type of player is hard to, you know, come by. And, you don't, you know, you don't just trade them away. And it's hard to, like I said, when you have all-stars that are committed to your team, I feel like it's not a good look to try to continuously trade those guys away. We traded Jimmy Butler away like that. Um, and I'm not saying Jimmy, but he, Zach is as good as Jimmy was when we had Jimmy back in the day. But it's just one of those situations like, you know, you have these the talent there. You have to try to get more talent around them, not keep trading them away for picks and for other things and keep going on that carousel about, you know, potential. Maybe we can get lucky in the draft and all that. But, yeah. So, you know, like I said, he took a big jump. A couple other players. On the roster, young guys really haven't, you know, stepped up. But Pat Williams, their rookie, mm-hmm. has been, um, has been promising. I feel like 
I think he has good potential going forward. Um, I I do think he's more of a power forward than a, than a, a a wing player, but we'll see how his development goes. I like his. He, I feel like he has a high IQ. Um, there are some concerns about his aggressiveness, but that could also be because he's like I said, a rookie. Sometimes rookies are not as likely to you know step in and, and take over on certain things because obviously they're there's a hierarchy on teams um, and he's obviously lower on that. Uh, like the totem pole or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So yeah. But like I said, you look at his team, I think, you know, coaching uh, not to keep going on and uh, rambling here, but like, cause the coaching has been much better compared to last season. So there's a lot of th- There are positives to take away uh, early on. And obviously there were uh, some negatives that obviously we saw a big trade happen. Right. Yeah, I was curious. So with Patrick Williams, did you like that draft pick? Because a lot of people didn't seem to at first, but then he's really kind of stepped into his own a little bit. Yeah, I, you know, I had no problem with it because I just, this draft, when I came into looking at this draft, talking to a lot of people that are more draft experts, uh, we had a bunch of people on our sh- our show um, random people that really cover the draft that actually study the draft. You know, they're not just highlight watchers. They actually watch full games and do a lot of analysis on each player. And this draft was like red flags everywhere as far as, you know, there's mm-hmm. promising talents, but there wasn't anyone that, yeah, this guy you have to take. You cannot pass on this guy, um, especially at four. And, when they took Patrick Williams, I was like, okay, um, we'll see. I mean, I, I see – I when I looked at his uh, profile, I looked at his skill set, I was like, well, I can understand why, you know, uh, Arturis uh, Karnaschovas, um was like liked him, like saw him and said, oh, okay, this guy has some skill set. And then you hear more about him. It's like, okay. Yeah, let's give him a. We'll see what happens. I mean, he he definitely has skill set, uh, skill wise. He's definitely you know there. So then you you know you see you see some stuff that he's worked on in the off season and and, and open gyms and stuff like that. And you say, oh man, this guy may be more skilled than we originally thought. And then you go into the season, you're starting to see more of a IQ on the defensive end. You see his potential on offense. Um, he kind of came in th- like thinking like he didn't have much of an offensive game and um, his handles are better than we thought. Uh, he has a really nice mid range game. Three point shot is kind of a set shot right now, but it's, it's there and it's, you can develop it more. Um, yeah. He looks like a guy that can really be an all around player and his potential. I feel like, you know, the sky's the limit because he has that work ethic too. Uh yeah. He's he's like a student of the game, a gym rat. He's going to be one of those guys that whatever his potential is, he'll reach it just because he's going to work hard to get there. Yeah, exactly. And so, of course, I had to bring up Zach Levine, dropped 50. That's your guy last night, dropping 50. Now, the Bulls didn't win the game, obviously. And I know and he said the same thing. I'd rather have the win, obviously. But how impressed were you watching that game last night from him? Yeah, you're that first half. It's one of those moments as I was thinking – it's crazy. It's good. It feels good to have a player like that where you just see him get in this zone uh, where he's just, just 
making everything he throws at the basket, basically. He was just torching them. Uh, he had 39 in the first half, almost had 40. He missed, like, a, a layup that he normally would have made. It's really a weird shot that he missed. Uh, but, yeah, it was just absurd. I was just, like, shaking my head at some of these shots that he was making. And, you know, they, they, they threw a lot of the single coverage on him and, a lot of the guys were sticking on him really well, but he just kind of, you know, with his footwork, with his handles, he was able to get, you know, a couple of step backs, hit some crazy threes. And yeah, he was just, he was just in a, in a zone at that moment that he couldn't mess basically. Yeah. So um, I know you haven't caught it yet, but on the black and Abdallah Friday night pod, they were talking about Zach Levine and, well, basically, what they were, what Chris Black said, he said, arguably, Nikola Vucevic is better than Levine, but that's not. He he was kind of getting at that they could both be. They're they're both more. They're both able to be more effective in their roles right now. Specifically, talking about Levine, he doesn't have to be a guy that would score say fifty. He can score the twenty plus whatever. But what do you think about that kind of thought? And and overall. How do you like Vucevic and the Bulls post-trade deadline and some of these acquisitions that they got? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with Chris. I think if I would if I would say anything, I, I, I think they're probably more so I would just say they're just as, they're the same tier of player. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, neither of them is like a number one, a real number one on a championship team. Uh, they're both really good players. I think they could be both number twos. but. Yeah, I mean, I, I and and really, I think in the end, you'd maybe come down to arguing about semantics on who's better than the other. Uh, but yeah, I don't, yeah, I, I wouldn't like I said, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with Chris as far as uh, saying that yeah, Vucevic should probably Vucevic is probably a, a better overall player. I wouldn't disagree with that really. Yeah, I think the overall point there was. Basically, they complement the other, and that's what you want. You want to see Levine having that help on the side, you know. So he doesn't have to be the star. He can be a guy who thrives in his specific role, but then he has players around him. So I think that that makes sense too. I think you know, as far as they're both whether or not they're the same tier, like you said, it might be semantics. But at the end of the day, if the Bulls are better for it. Then there you go. No, exactly, exactly. And that trade, uh, I, I'm a, I'm, I'm still a big Wendell Carter. Supporter, I I think his his issues were more offensively, his aggressive, his assertiveness. Uh, defensively, he's always been good. I, I know he got a lot of heat here defensively. It was not on him. A lot of the defensive issues again were um, a lot more perimeter oriented. Uh, guys like Kobe, and again, I'm, like I said, Zach has made improvements, but he still has his moments where he has his lapses. Uh, and then around him in general, uh, like Larry Markinen, who's a, another not a good defender. So Wendell, I think I, I'm so high on him. But yeah, that trade, I, I, I liked it. I was like, I wanted to see something. Uh, mm-hmm. The night before the trade deadline, I was like, okay, we have to do something here. We can't sit pat. You know, I, I was one of the guys that wanted to keep Thad Young. But I was like, you know what? not doing anything at all would be worse than just, you know, keeping Thad Young. I'd rather trade Thad Young than not do anything at all. So I was thinking, like, we have to do something. And, yeah, he – it was, like – it's funny. Like, a lot of the – like, the Vucevic trade, 
Um, like we talked about that before, like the trade deadline on our pod about, you know, potentially going after him. We weren't sure like if he was available or not though, because the trade kind of happened out of nowhere. Nobody really, you know, saw it coming. We were just like fans talking about like, what can the bulls do? And it just kind of came about out of nowhere. And it was it was great. It was great to see. And that second trade they did it was actually probably the best one. And not to not to say how the you know, like obviously Vooch is a great player, and you know he he is he is the best player that we got that day, no doubt. But that second trade too, like it's a small trade that could could go under the radar if you're not like a you know really huge NBA fan. Uh, but yeah, that trade that they got, they got Daniel Thies. Uh, and uh, Troy Brown Jr., guys that can come in and actually play. Troy Brown Jr. is a guy that has a lot of – he has – as a young player, he has some potential to really develop still. His minutes were mismanaged in uh, Washington by a coach that's not very good. At, you know, we talk about bad coaching, Jim Boylan. He's probably, like, the worst coach currently in, in the NBA right now, I, you could argue. Um, but yeah, he's a good young player, uh, Thies that we got from Boston. He's a good, big coming off the bench, uh, good defensive player and en- good en- brings energy, uh, can, you know, shoot the three. Uh, but yeah, that trade was, it was nice to see them add some depth, uh, to the team in general. The trade deadline was pretty good as far as I can ask for the activity and, you know, like I said, adding talent to the roster. Uh, my co-host Edward likes to say, you know, we have adults in the room. Uh, we're not, you know, we're not, we're not yeah. waiting for uh, young guys to develop anymore, constantly waiting for, uh, we're making moves and, and the roster is not close to being done yet. You know, it's, this is just the first step and then going into off season, we'll see what else happens. I think a lot of people would, would say the Bulls have definitely obviously made positive strides and like you said it's still a work in progress but people are pleasantly surprised and actually before i get back to the bulls i actually wanted after the scott brooks convo it made me think how do you how do you feel about steve kerr in golden state would you say it's a similar situation or do you think he is a good coach and they're just struggling with the injuries and things like that you know it's interesting i my opinion of him before recent things i've seen I thought he was a good coach, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when he first got there, nobody expected that team to win a championship right like that season. Um, and I, I think he did do some good stuff. Obviously, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson's development, and then obviously Draymond Green took a step. That made that certainly makes a big difference. Um, but going into this season, some of the things I've seen, uh, I, I was I was reading. A, a portion of an article the other day and basically one of their video guys or analytic guys had to show him like, Oh, to get their rookie James, James Wiseman involved to run him in pick and rolls with Steph Curry. And it's like, why did he have to be told that? That's, right. I it's mean, weird. Yeah. <laughs> He's most effective in the pick and roll with Steph Curry is like, well, no, effing kidding <laughs> like that's why does a head coach have to be told uh, to to run a play like that for to get your rookie big more 
involved in the offense, right? So I'm thinking, like, man, what is what's going on with Kerr? Maybe maybe he's not long for this position in in Golden State. So yeah, it, it is definitely you know coaching. I'll say this in the NBA, it, it can get a little overrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a players' league, still talent wins. Um, I think I think he might be a better guy as. He's probably not a good X and X's and O's guy. He's probably good at managing personalities. Joe Madden. That's <laughs> yeah, no, and that's certainly that's yeah. certainly a skill set to have for sure. Uh, yeah. Phil Phil Jackson was probably like that. He wasn't really an X and O guy because the Bulls' offense. He didn't. He wasn't the guy that did that offense. It was Tex Winter. Um, you know, he had uh, Johnny Bach on the defensive end. I, I, he had assistance that really took charge of, you know, you know, the X's and O's and he managed personalities. You know, he had ways of leading, uh, getting through to Michael Jordan, you know, Scotty Pippen, all these and dealing with on the second three, dealing with Dennis Rodman and all that yeah. stuff. So there, yep. there's definitely in the NBA, it's different, right? It's not all about uh, teaching. Um, when you're a young roster, teaching is important, but when you're a veteran team, um, it, those type of things are more important, are sometimes as important. I shouldn't say more important, as important as the X's and O's. So, yeah, he might be a coach that's better suited when you're a contender to deal with uh, different personalities and things like that. But it'll be interesting to see what happens with him as, as going forward with the rest of his career in Golden State and what happens. Uh, if he gets let go or if he they have a mutual ways of parting or, or whatever happens. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had seen some things on Twitter not that long ago where people were just like, what is Kerr doing? Or so. I, and then when you mentioned the thing about Brooks, I instantly thought about Steve Kerr. So to take it back to the Bulls. So right now they're 22 and 29 in the standings, kind of on the peripheral of the playoff picture. They're three games back of the eight seated Knicks right now. So, I guess would it be fair to say that the Bulls right now are kind of what you would have expected in terms of maybe being in the playoff convo, at least on the outside, very close. Uh, and overall, not even taking into the playoff consideration, just a positive vibe. You see something to be looking forward to beyond this season. Yeah, so you know, this season, I think the schedule is getting a little softer. Uh, last night's loss was very disappointing. Uh Obviously, some players didn't step up. Zach had a big game. The second half, he didn't have as good of a half, second half, but that was a lot to do with Atlanta. Uh, they really started doubling him and blitzing him. A lot of times, they were like had three guys on him. Other teammates didn't step up outside of outside of Vucevic. No, a lot of guys didn't step up, make shots, and then the defensive end. Yeah, the Bulls just got absolutely torched on the pick and roll defense. Kobe White was, you know, just he's he's one of those players that has been really disappointing this season. I know early in the season he had kind of an excuse just because he was trying to, you know, learn a role that he had never really played, like the point guard, like the lead initiate. I know people say point guard, but it, it's more so in today's NBA, you want to say more so lead initiator because it's not because point, anyone can like a lot of people can be like anyone can really be the point guard technically if you're like six two you tend to be 
you know, the guy that plays that position, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be handling the ball and making the decisions out there as far as running the offense. Like if, if Luka, Luka Doncic is on your team, you know, he's the point guard, right? Um, you're just going to have someone in the backcourt with him, maybe just to, you know, play that official point guard position, if you will, but he's not going to be that, that point guard that's playing with Luca. He's not going to be the guy that's leading the offense. Uh, but to get back to Kobe, so th- th- that was kind of, you know, uh, uh, let's see what he can do. That's the kind of an excuse. But as the season went on, they, that, they took the responsibility away from him to do that, to run the offense, and he's just not been – his decision-making is just really bad. He's not a good defender, even of the slightest. His effort level on defense is really bad at times. But, yeah, last night the pick-and-roll defense was awful. Uh, him and Larry Markinen defensively, they just – they were, they were not good. And I've had some concerns. Like I said, you know, I, the coaching has been better than last season, but I've had some concerns with Billy Donovan this season as the last month or so, I would say with his lineups and rotations and seeing him leave Larry and Kobe out there as you know, Trey young was just dicing us uh, them up in that pick and roll and not, change up the look that they were giving Trey. Like the Hawks started, like I said, blitzing and trapping Zach. Like try something. Like get this guy is absolutely, you know, killing us. He like, you know, Zach had a big night at 50 points. Trey Young had 42. So it's like you're not you're not changing up the looks on here. You're just you're just giving him whatever he wants or whatever looks he wants out there. He was getting into the paint at will and you're not changing it the way uh, you're defending him, and you're not changing the lineup to get better defenders out there to to slow that down. So yeah, it was just like a frustrating loss. But as far as the playoffs go, um, I think the the playing game is definitely probably a more so a reality. We'll see what happens as far as uh, if they can actually get in. Uh, the playing game is interesting this year, so we'll see how that all works out. Yeah, so before we get to kind of like a potential playoff preview, because we still have like a month or so before the playoffs, but I definitely want to give you a chance to talk about that. But what would you say, actually, before I get to this, but uh, you kind of alluded to it already, but with AK and Donovan. So as I was saying, on the surface, I think a lot of people are pretty happy. Obviously, Bulls have left some wins on the floor, but what grade would you give Donovan? And I mean, AK, I think, has done pretty well based on some of the moves he's made, obviously, and going into the season and all that. How would you grade him and Donovan so far in year one? AK, I would give him, you know, I would, it's hard to, like, letter grades are, you know, whatever, but, like, I'd give him an A because going into the season, this roster was, like, a complete, you know, mess in the central. Like, we didn't have any any really, I would, how do I say this? They didn't like, have a pulse <laughs> structure. Yeah. They didn't have a yeah. structure, anything like that. You know, we didn't have a direction really where, where were we going? That's what, that was essentially uh, with this team. It was just, just a lot of question marks, but now there's actually an idea which way they're going, what they're trying to do. Uh, you have two guys that you can try to add more talent to, uh, to not, not necessarily like build around, but be guys that you can really build a nice competitive team with, continue to develop other certain aspects of the team. And 
maybe eventually try to add another you know star if you can. Uh, so I, I I definitely give AK an A. Uh, Billy Donovan, I'll say a B. Um, early in the season, if you asked me, I probably would have said an A just because I was still probably in a more of a honeymoon period with the, with, with him. Because again, like I said, Jib Boylan was such a mitigated disaster that when you go from that to even someone that can just, you know, tie shoelaces <laughs> without tripping over and stuff like that, you kind of feel like, oh man, this guy is the best thing ever. So, um, yeah, but not as the season's gone on, like I said, there's some red flags that I have concern about. Um, so I would, I would give him a solid B and we'll see what happens like, going into the off season, like I said, and the next season of what roster AK builds. And if, if the roster is a pretty solid roster, I think you'll probably see some pressure put on Billy to, you know, really start winning games and certain expectations for the team. Yeah. So I know it's hard to say right now. I mean, we're still in the middle of the season, but I guess from a, just thinking, just thinking ahead, Obviously, you want to see the Bulls probably definitely be in the playoffs next season, right? So from an off-season perspective, which is still, of course, months away, are you expecting big things or just maybe not necessarily big flashy things, but the necessary moves to, you know, be done? But, like, do you expect them to be major players and, you know, big free agent type of a bidding? So this free agent class isn't technically that big i mean Kawhi leonard supposed to be a free agent and something crazy happens maybe he wants to leave if the clippers implode again which i'm kind of crossing my fingers that they do <laughs> implode and he does yeah. want out um but yeah so the free agent technically isn't there's a lot aren't a lot of big names um there's some s- smaller names like uh, they may revisit lonzo ball who i think he'll be a solid fit with the with the bulls he's only 23 he's a two-way uh point guard um, he's not necessarily, like I said, that lead initiator, but he can handle the ball. Um, he's He can move the ball. He can shoot the ball. Uh, so I think he would fit in well in that respect as far as at least upgrading what the Bulls have at point guard. And then, you know, there's who knows what else he could do. That I, I'm sure there's going to be other trades that he probably looks into. Uh, obviously, they don't have their dra- – they might not have their draft pick this year just simply because of that, the Vucevic trade. Um, unless they get lucky in the lottery. Like, so if they, if they get in that play in tournament and then they lose and not make the playoffs, they could still be back in the lottery and then get really lucky and move up into top four. That's when they keep their pick for this season. But, but if it's outside the top four, then they lose their pick. So we'll see what happens. Maybe there's a, a draft day trade. Uh, but I, I definitely expect to to kind of you know your original question. I I expect a lot of movement in the off season as well. I mean, I, this roster, I I wouldn't be surprised. If, I know I I think Larry Markin is probably done in Chicago. Um, maybe they'll try to work out a sign and trade as opposed to just losing him for nothing. And then Kobe White, I wouldn't be surprised if they move him. And just yeah, just trying to like I said, add more talent, more depth again. Uh, to this roster to try to try to be competitive, try to build at least like a 50 win team, if you will, uh, to to see what they can do as far as try to be more in line as maybe not a championship contender, but maybe a team that can get to the Eastern Conference finals. Yeah, Yeah. that's definitely a step up. So looking at the standings right now, of course, again, still a lot of games to go, but 
I guess, first off, in the abbreviated season, would you say that around the league, it's kind of played out the way you would have expected? Or are you really surprised by certain teams? The Knicks are right now in a playoff spot. They're like, you know, almost 500. Uh, you know, does any specific team step out? I know right now in the East, Brooklyn and Philly are one, two. In the West, Utah, Phoenix. So are you uh, surprised by anything? And what are you, what are you kind of looking forward to? potentially for the playoffs upcoming. Yeah, so I'm I'm surprised in the East how weak it's been overall. Uh right now I think Brooklyn's like the only team that's really that stuck out as far as the team that's I mean and in general they're they're probably gonna be the team that more than likely gonna be a team that wins it all just because the this talent that they have on that roster it's absurd. But the East in general has been kind of surprising how how weak it's been because if you look at the the, the standings that I haven't looked at since a couple of days ago, but I think there may be only like three teams that are above 500 or at five. And like a lot of these teams are like, even at the four seed, they're like at 500 or a game. Yeah. It's like three games above. Yeah. yeah there's not, there's not, you know, they're not any, not really a, much of a strong teams in, in there. Um, the West is surprising because like the jazz, the start they got off on, uh, they've been they've been the number one seed for a little bit. Uh, Phoenix is a really nice team. They've they've taken a big step with Paul George or not Paul George, sorry, Chris Paul, uh, adding him to that young roster. And yeah, that the West is. I still think if if the Lakers are healthy going into the playoffs, they're they're going to come out of the West. And I ex- I would expect the the Nets to come out of the East and end up probably winning it all, and we'll see what happens there. But yeah, the, it'll it'll be interesting to see how the playoffs go, and especially I think they're starting to let fans in now too. So I don't think it's going to be like a bubble. We'll see what they do. Um, like I said, you know, as the off se- as the season goes on, we're seeing more and more. Obviously, with the vaccine coming out, people have been obviously taking the vaccine and and mm-hmm. at even at a lower capacity, they're letting fans in at like 30 percent or whatever. So I don't know if they'll do a bubble this year like they did last season, um, especially because the bubble thing was very expensive, I supposedly. And they may not want to do that again and just do a regular playoffs with, you know, have home court atmospheres and things like that but yeah the playoffs will be interesting um the east like i said i think maybe the bucks will surprise i know last season in the regular season they had a lot of uh a lot of success and then obviously in going into the playoffs they uh just didn't live up to that expectation and, and yeah. miami was able to upset them uh, so maybe maybe the, they'll flip the script, you know, just didn't do much in the regular season and then just kind of really take off in the playoffs. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the East, but I would expect that in the end result, it'll be Lakers versus Nets. Yeah, actually, I was going to ask you about Travis Wackers, Milwaukee Bucks. So does it feel like they've kind of squandered their best opportunities or are they still stacked and they could easily win it maybe this year or next year? I mean, how do you kind of view the Bucks' outlook? It's tough because when you have a team like the Nets, I mean, I would expect the Nets to be contenders for the next, like, own the league for the next right. three years, unless something crazy happens. I mean, and and 
and things do change drastically in the NBA. It's you you think a team's going to have a reign of like five six years and it ends up being like two years because just guys age out of nowhere become like they look like phenomenal in the next season they just take a big you know yeah dive in 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 their uh, respective careers or injuries happen or crazy things happen like you look at the warriors with kd people thought that they were just gonna you know win like four or five titles and that didn't happen right because egos got involved um different injuries happen obviously the injury to kd happened that really hurt them that probably would have if, if he doesn't get hurt they probably win it that year against toronto as opposed to what en- did end up happening but yeah so i would expect the nets to essentially own the east the next like like i said two three years at least the box it's it's tough like they're not a free agent destination right and Trying to trying to make moves there. I, I still question their front office. I feel like they're not a very good front office. I know there's some little things that, like I said, I was again, I was reading an article about some of the little, little cap mismanagement they've done. Uh, the big one was this off season. They were trying to get a uh, 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 Bogdanovich, uh, the player that went to Atlanta. Uh, the Hawks, we actually played like the team we played yesterday. They tried to do a sign and trade with him and they botched that somehow. I don't know, like, I don't know, happened on again. Granted, I think it might have been, I don't know if it was like a miscommunication or whatever, but they ended up getting, you know, penalized for that. They didn't get him. Uh, obviously, they gave up a lot to get Drew Holiday, who's a, who's a good player, no doubt about that, but they gave up like three draft picks for him. Um, you know, they gave up some talent as well. You know they have Chris Middleton still. They have some. They have some decent players, and obviously you have you have uh, uh, you know Giannis, who's obviously the you know one of the top five players in this league. But you just wonder how are they going to continue to improve. Um, and luckily for them, obviously they've locked up locked him up for you know long term, uh, the next you know four or five years as far as at least, you know, they don't have to worry about him leaving yet, but it'll be interesting to see how they can really add more talent to that roster to, you know, legitimately contend. And we'll see, like I said, in the the playoffs, they may flip the script this year as compared to last season. They, they were great in the regular season and they've, you know, fumbled in the playoffs and maybe this season it'll be more. So, you know, they, they kind of went under the radar in the regular season and then the playoffs, you know, they took over and, um, I don't expect, like I said, I don't expect them to beat the Nets, but maybe they at least get the Easter Conference Finals. Yeah. So I wanted to switch real fast to baseball. Your White Sox four and four so far on the year. I don't know if you saw it yet, but they will not play baseball today due to rain. So an extra off day. But um, yeah, I just thought, you know, I wanted to get your thoughts. I know it's early. We're eight games into the season. So, you know, there's a lot of buzz, hype around the White Sox. Uh, I feel like, Similar to uh, Reinsdorf's other team in the Bulls, they've let a few games get away. And but the the the, the similar thing there was Donovan. I've seen has been accountable and said, "Yeah, that was on me." Tony Larusa, same thing. Did that recently again against the uh, the game against the Mariners, where he said, "Yeah, I I did not manage that sixth inning well." The thing about Larusa that's interesting, and I, I know that was a topic going back to the hire. The guy hasn't managed baseball in a while. And I mean, he's one of the best ever. He's a Hall of Famer, obviously. And 
I don't I don't necessarily worry about his being able to relate to the Tim Andersons and you know today's game, but I do think we're seeing maybe potentially the growing pains of getting back into managing uh and just you know he's getting through some of these these cobwebs out of the way, which that's gonna happen no matter what. But what has been your maybe very early take on the Sox? Have you been able to watch many Sox games so far? Yeah, I've I've caught them a little bit, but it's it's weird because a lot of the games have been on the same time as the Bulls play, and I'm just I'm just a much bigger Bulls fan and an NBA fan in general, so I tend to watch the Bulls more so than any other team. Uh, but yeah, so I, I've been, but I have been paying attention, and I've been paying attention to a lot of fans that I trust, like their judgment, um, and, and certain things that Larusa's done. It's been questionable out there if Zianan you said he's taken blame for some of this stuff and it's like that's frustrating like okay well he he's the hall he is a hall of fame manager and you know the the the, the question was can he can he still coach in today's league can he still manage in today's league and do do we have time for him to kind of when when you're trying to uh, you know compete for for a world series it's like he needs to come in and be prepared to do that. Right. We, we, we can't expect him of all co managers to go through a, you know, I, I need, I need some time here to, you know, figure this out type of thing. And that was the concern. And that was the frustration is like, we need to get somebody in here that's been managed recently that has experience going in uh, playoff experience, uh, world series experience, and that can come in and take off from there instead of seeing, you know, like questioning if this guy energy wise and everything else wise is, is capable of doing that. So yeah, that, that's be that, that's been interesting. I think some of the play, obviously losing Eloy, um, that that's a big loss. Um, that's a big bat that you lose in the right. lineup. Um, I think, Maybe Adam Eaton's been a little better than I expected. Uh, I was I was frustrated with their offseason a little bit just because I, I, I thought they could have, you know, it's kind of one of the situations that I, I was thinking is, you know, when, you, when you're doing a school project, um, you can work hard enough to get an A, but you just settle like, ah, I'm good with the B. That, that's what I felt like their offseason was. They didn't really do enough to get that A plus offseason because when they could have, they could have gone after certain guys to upgrade and foster not only their starting rotation, but also like right field, more of a, of a short thing as opposed to a question mark, uh, adding a, a, a DH that can actually you can rely on. Because um, DH was a question mark coming in. Uh, you're thinking like who's going to be the real DH, DH long-term. I know they had Andrew Vaughn, they had expectations for, but if you're competing for a world series, you're not hanging your hopes on a guy that's never taken a bat in the majors. Right. Yeah. So that, that was a concern. Like I said, I felt like, you know, they, if they had a certain budget that they wanted to work off of, or they were required to work off of, it was kind of confusing that they blew their big signing on a, a closer, uh, especially because the Sox have been pretty good at um, internal development on, on in the bullpen, and they have some guys that you could probably, you know, put as closers and spent money elsewhere to actually 
that that have been more of an effective as far as signings are concerned. But yeah, they're like I said, I was underwhelmed by their offseason. I was concerned at how serious they were about, you know, competing. But the roster, the talent was there. So I figured, you know, they're still going to be a very good team. Um, start has been a little slow, but it's still a long season. I obviously don't like to do the, uh, <laughs> or it's, it's early, you know, the joke that we, uh, ESPN 1000 listeners all it's know it's early, uh, get, get in the, uh, cap train of thinking. Cause obviously each game counts the same, no matter what. Right. So we'll see, we'll see as the season goes on, if hopefully they can get in a role i know they had a tough loss the other day just because they kind of blew they had they had they had a few opportunities to you know win that game and they just kind of blew an opportunity there but yeah we'll see if la can get his stuff together and hopefully um the lineup can you know get an order obviously Yerman. yeah mercedes, um, mercedes. Is on fire. yeah yeah that's another interesting thing too like yeah they wasted the bats last season with like Encarnacion, who was the longest time he was just not really, you know, playing well. And I don't, I don't fault them for signing him, right? Because obviously he had a reputation of being a, you know, a strong bat that can you can give you something. But he just was awful all year, and other aspects of the team were too were question marks as well. And you wondered why Yerman didn't get more of an opportunity, but that's besides the point. But yeah. We'll see. I think, you know, the team is exciting and hopefully I'm going to get to uh, the ballpark this year. That'd be fun, too. Yeah, I was going to ask you, are you are you going to get any games this season? Yeah, I'm going to try for sure to ch- uh, get to a couple of games to, you know, get out of the house. Yeah. I'm hoping this summer isn't I'm not locked down like last summer. So uh, was, I don't think so. I think we're yeah. <laughs> I think we're on the right track here. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I've already had my vaccines, so I'm I'm good to go here. There, yeah, I'm just I'm just you know chopping at the bits to get out and just do stuff here. So. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, yeah. So it, I'm definitely gonna try to get to some games. Uh, we'll see if the Bulls. I wonder if they if they're able to if they're able to sneak into the playoffs. I wonder if they would have any home games that they allow fans to go. I to. bet you that they would will. be interesting. Yeah, because they haven't they really haven't been doing fans yet, have they? In the NBA? No, they yeah. haven't. Not not at not at home. So I was thinking maybe they would for the playoffs if they got in. Um, I expect them to let fans in, obviously next fall. Yeah. By then, I've, everything I'm sure is going to be pretty n- normal ish. Um, I don't know if it'll be full capacity, but I'm sure they'll be able to let fans in it by then. But it'll be interesting. I'm going to try to go to some uh, Chicago Sky games this summer, too. I'm pretty sure they'll probably let fans in for that just because they don't start usually till like May, June. So um, I would imagine by then, you know, they'll they'll be letting fans in and, and in the stadium. But, yeah, um, I'm looking forward to the summer and trying to get to some some – to get to the ballpark in general, yeah. Did you hear my uh, call? I mean, I guess you catch every black and up to all the pies, so you probably did. But um, did you catch my call? It was like last week because I had to catch like every pod this week. I was busy every day for some reason. Something was going on every day. But um, there was uh, – I was asking – I think it might have been last Friday, last Thursday, last Friday. Anyway, I, I had to get their thoughts on the Eloy thing with before the game – they, uh, you know, it was before opening day, 
uh they were kind of celebrating Eloy as if he had like passed away or something and I was like I was like I was like being serious you know I called in I was like look tough loss I get it um and I know losing Eloy is not good obviously but weren't you surprised by the way they kind of did that before the game with the jersey hanging in the, in the dugout signed by the team and holding his jersey on the baseline and they had like they went off for like seven minutes on that and i was like i'm glad i brought this up because i thought it was kind of funny i know people were joking about it on twitter like oh eloy would have loved this if he was still alive to see it that kind of thing did you hear that call yeah yeah it's it was funny and I, at you know at first i was like kind of confused like what's going on with this rip eloy stuff yeah, yeah <laughs> like what, right why, why is why are people doing this and it's like oh it's kind of become like a joke because of <laughs> what the team did yeah and the dugout um but yeah it's it's it, it, it was it was a funny call and definitely it's like you said, the, the loss of Eloy, it's it's a big bummer, and it's, yeah, I, I think yeah. there are some. Yeah, I think didn't you make a comparisons to like you know obviously with with Schwarber exactly them losing Schwarber. And I, for, I was legit like this could be a huge move for the Sox, assuming they make the playoffs. You get a guy like Eloy back, rested and ready to go, just like Schwarber. I mean, we saw what he did in the World Series. I mean, who's to say you add that bat to your lineup in the playoffs? Who knows? No, exactly. Maybe, maybe he. And they're both left fielders. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And maybe, and and the benefit for the for the Sox, obviously, they're in the AL, so you can play him in DH. Um, maybe you bring him in, and he can just you know be the DH, yeah, and, and make other little movements uh, in in the lineup that maybe I think they had mentioned. I, I remember seeing something about Andrew Vaughn potentially being in outfield. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if it really has yet. I saw at least um, one game with him playing outfield against that Seattle okay. Thursday, yeah, or uh, okay, okay. other. Yeah, I, I hadn't watched that game, so. Um, but yeah, so we'll see. I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping that, like I said, with the team, they can they can get it, you know, going. Now I know, like you said, the rain they got rained out again um, today. Yeah, so yeah. We'll see, but yeah, I'm, it. it they should they should be a fun team this year again. I mean, for sure. I don't I don't foresee it. How how are you feeling about your Cubs? I, I should want to ask you. Yeah. So, um, well, the offense has been iffy, but they're coming off Thursday's game now. It's, it's Pittsburgh, so I mean, yeah, you should beat bad teams. Um, so that's expected. That hey, there's no reason to lose to Pittsburgh. There's no reason why the offense can't break out at least against Pittsburgh. So, getting home runs from Baez, Bryant, and Rizzo on thursday was nice and that's like the first i think it's like was like the fifth time ever that's happened in like the first in like a few years at least and it's just kind of crazy but they had at least i think 10 hits so it's pittsburgh we'll see what they do tonight i actually like the cubs okay kimbrell is nasty right now there was a lot i had questions about him so far so good so if he's good that's a huge thing the rotation i think so far i like it um Arietta has looked good. Now, again, he's faced Pittsburgh twice, but I like what he's done so far. Hendricks turned it around after the first game. Alzali had a had a bad first game, but not to be it's early, but it's early. We'll see. But yeah. Trevor Williams I liked, and I like Zach Davies. I like, so, so far, so good. Now, again, we got to see more of a larger sample, but I actually, going into the season, I was thinking like 85-ish wins, give or take, and I thought they can probably win that central with a few more wins maybe, but uh, so far we got to the offense and the offense is too good to be, I mean, I'm just saying, that's a broken record every year. We say that every year. 
But if the offense could actually hit the ball more, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a little bit optimistic. Um, I am optimistic in general. Um, so it's early. They're four and they're four and three right now. Now, if they lose two out of three to Pittsburgh, that's unacceptable. We can't do that. So I need to see them win this series. Hopefully, sweep the series. But yeah, so far I like the rotation. I like Kimbrell being very good, nasty. And we see the offense getting off to a bad start, but hopefully Thursday's game will turn them around. So it's kind of the same story, but uh, so far, sort of so good, I guess. <laughs> Have you felt about uh, the conversation? I know there's a lot, a lot. I feel like Cubs fans are having this conversation a lot the last two years with who you would rather keep long-term between Chris Bryant and uh, Javi Baez. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Not to flip this flip this on me interviewing you here, but I'm just curious no, to hear yeah. your thoughts on this. No, I like this. Uh, it's interesting. It's tough because when I see a lot of guys, a lot of people are like, give them what they want right now, 10 years, lock them up. I'm not really necessarily like that. Because I don't want to lock up a guy if we've seen the best. Now, we don't know. Like, that's the tough thing. Bryant might very well get back to what we saw a few years ago. But if he's healthy, sure. Between Bryant and Baez, it could go either way. I feel like a lot of people say extend Baez. He's dynamic. He has the energy, blah, blah, blah. But then some people say with that swing or the way he He's either hot or he's cold offensively. Bryant's the overall better player. That might be true, too. Uh, I don't know. It's tough. And kind of going back to the Kimbrell situation, I just wonder if this team is iffy at the deadline, meaning like they're barely, you know, they're good, they're not great, or they're just average. You might just say, well, Kimbrell's on fire. We can trade him. Or we could trade a guy like Bryant or Baez if they're doing well, you know? So it's like, are they playing? Are they in a sense playing up to their potential trade value, or are they playing up to hey they're actually playing very well and they're part of our future? I still don't know if 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 I see Bryant do what he did against say Pittsburgh and hit home runs with regularity again and he's healthy, then yeah, I want that guy in the lineup beyond this season. Same with Baez, and really, I've heard Black and Abdallah say this so many times: the Cubs are a big market team. They should be able to spend money, which we haven't seen them do. So it will come down to probably one or the other. And and Rizzo's still, he's in there too. They have to figure that out. So someone's going to go, I guess. I don't, I feel like right now, Bryant might be the better overall player, at least offensively, even though I like Baez defensively too. So I don't know, but I don't want to, I don't want to necessarily blindly say let's give these guys seven eight year deals 250 million because they haven't played up to that potential lately you know so it's so hard i don't know what what i think about those two i want them to both be very i want them to both get back to the level we saw i wanted to see Baez towards that mvp player that he was a couple years ago and i want to see brian healthy because i think a healthy brian goes a long way obviously and there's this perception on twitter no for sure by some that say oh well bryant you know, he hit the wall, you know, he, he's, he's going to be out tomorrow just because he's soft or whatever. There's this perception that he's soft, no. but, uh, I don't think he's soft. I do think he tries to play through injuries and 
I think that's what's hurt him. And I think the team, whether it's the team not knowing the extent of the injury or just thinking he's good, he can play, maybe that's what hurt him. So it's such a tough question. Right now, I couldn't tell you who I'd rather keep. I want them both to play well. And then I guess my my answer on this, I think I was talking with someone recently. I said, I think the best situation right now is to just play well and put the onus on Jed Hoyer at the trade deadline because if the team is like in the, in the, I don't think you trade them if the team's up 10 games in the central. I don't expect that either. If they're playing well and looking like a playoff team and Brian's playing very well and Bias is playing well, put the onus on Jed Hoyer to say, hey, I have two really good players right now. If I think I can extend them, great, let's do it. Or if I need to flip them and get big time return back, you know, put the onus on Jed to make that call. So I don't know. I, I Going back a few years ago, I would have thought it'd be a no-brainer that Bryant would be this guy that would be on the team forever. And, you know, we really saw Bias hit his own, you know, 2018, for instance. So, you know, it's it's just so tough to to say. Not to no, give a long-winded sure. answer, but, you know, it's like, I feel like I didn't even give an answer, honestly. I wish I could say right now, yes or no on one or the other, but I just yeah. don't know. So No, tough. I get it. I get it. And I, yeah, I, I hate the soft label, too, I, I and players. I I hate when fans go there. It's like, listen, man, you're, you're, most of these people are like, you know, probably get winded when you're walking up the stairs. So like, like, so sure. relax, just relax, yeah. not calling people soft. And yeah. these guys are like, you know, world-class athletes, you know, they they got to their level. They got to their profession, not by being soft, right. They, they got there because they're tough people and, and they dedicated, you know, it's hard to become a professional ball player at, at any level. I don't care if it's baseball, basketball, football, whatever, tennis, golf, uh, I don't care if it's bocce ball. Being the best in the world at what you do, you, you're not. You're you're mentally, you're physically tough, and you're mentally tough to get there. Yeah, um, you know it's it's not easy. So I hate I hate when people use the soft term and and and, and to to you know describe players. You know people's bodies aren't. You know just because you get injured doesn't mean you're soft. That's that's not how it works. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that I'm surprised. Like it's such a like tough decision for Cubs fans because I I would figure just because of Bryant's injuries and we've seen Baez take become kind of the leader of that team, and in, in many ways I I figure a lot of people would say Baez, but I've seen like you either not sure or just been like yeah we're Chris Bryant I, I'm a Chris Bryant guy. See, it's funny because. I sort of, I wouldn't say I soured on Bryant. I, I chalked it up to the injuries, but I thought, well, if the injury thing, and it's been freak injuries, fluke injuries too. So it's like, if the injury thing is going to be a consistent worry, then sure, maybe you try to move him or let him go. I like the energy that Baez brings. And when he's right, he can be the best player in baseball. But, and you know, last season really clouds my thinking too because I try not to put too much stock in it because it was 60 games, no fans. I think that we're going to see, I think that would have normalized. I think those two would have been a little bit, probably much better, honestly, over a full season. And that's assuming, of course, if you have a full season, it's probably a normal season. You probably have fans, you have all that stuff. So this is, this is the test now to see if these two guys can get it back. 
I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 almost. I think the reason it's such a coin flip for me is because I would like to see both just kill it and both be part of the team. Honestly, if you have to make that decision, and of course, if you have to make that decision, you also have to take into account Rizzo, who's you know north of thirty, but he is le- definitely the captain, leader of that team. And it sounds like per cap, it sounds like Rizzo is kind of just like we've given them a fair offer. We don't have any reason to listen right now. Like, sounds like he's ready. Now, money talks. If they give him the money, I'm sure he'll be back. But that's sure. just it. How are you going to let Rizzo? Now, I get it, too. Rizzo's a first baseman, uh, again, over 30. He wants to get paid, and he should, because he kind of took... I saw his overall earnings to, to date so far, and it's considerably less than you would normally expect, probably, of a yeah. guy that has put up the numbers that he has. So he should want to get paid. But on the other side, you got to think first basemen don't necessarily age gracefully not that any player really does but especially first baseman i don't know I, it's 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 so tough i wouldn't want to be jed right now but you know in the offseason that he had after the darvish trade i was kind of just like what uh i thought he kind of salvaged the offseason with arietta and potentially jock and you know kind of thought this is interesting i kind of like what the team is right now so I don't know. It's so tough. If I had to pick right now, I just can't. Brian and Baez, I don't know. Because it's like, I feel like my my thing, I guess, is when people say right now, get rid of Bryant or get rid of this guy, I think you're selling low on either one. I think there's so mm-hmm. much more that each can do and still will do that it's just, that's why it's so hard for me to say, yeah, I would rather let this guy go and then that's the guy that kills it, so... Yeah, yeah, it's 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 funny. Like you know, we talked about how things change when you think your team is going to be this long, you know, window of being able to compete. Like the Cubs are a great example of that, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> Go after two thousand sixteen. You know, you thought you know you at least get at least to another World Series at the yeah. very least, right? Yeah, and that just never happened. And all these injuries happen. Certain player, young players, then leave, leave up to the live up to their potential you know another interesting player i think who's been who's been good and up and down i think maybe is Contreras, right he's been kind of like that too where you saw a lot of potential in him and then he had really good season and then just like you know up and down as far as who he could be i feel really good about Contreras, and he's probably like right now their best trade chip because he still has some years he still has some control so it's like okay if you were to trade Contreras, he's this guy. He's not a free agent at the end of the year or anything like that. So, and he's one yeah. of the up and coming guys. So, I really liked Caratini also, and he caught the no, the no hitter for the Padres last night. Uh, it's the second no hitter that he's caught in as many years, and third if you count the one in the minor leagues a couple of years ago. I think they, I I I understood trading you Darvish because you, well at least in my mind, you're trying to potentially capitalize on his value coming off the year he had. But I don't know if they did that with the trade return that they made. Yeah. But I liked Caratini a lot. and uh, But, you know, I had a guy, Greg Huss, on who covers uh, the minor leagues specifically for the Cubs at Cubs Insider. So I got, I got to pick his brain about what he likes with the minor league system. And, of course, Miguel Amaya, potential catcher of the future, bright, prospect in the minors right now so maybe you know in a year or two he's that guy behind Contreras it's probably the ideal it's probably the expectation right now who's to say he doesn't get traded but whatever I don't know I feel 
it's going to be interesting to see how they they maneuver. I mean, <laughs> obviously it's going to be interesting, but um, yeah, I don't know. Right now, I'm just live. I'm just happy when I see them play well, and I want to see Baez and Bryant kill it and really put the onus on Jet to be like, all right, pay up or do something one way or the other. Hopefully, they if they play strong, then yeah, it's up to management to figure out how they maneuver that because you know. Yeah, yeah, that'll be. Yeah, the Cubs are on those teams that are. De- I remember before the season started, were the 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 Darvish trade. You know when it happened, I was like, okay, I guess they are just going rebuild. But then all of a sudden, they started going and saying, "Oh, the, apparently there's money available, right. so they're going to sign." So wait, then why did if you're going to compete, then why did you trade you Darvish? Like, see, that's the thing. You Darvish, you <laughs> Darvish would be a perfect. I mean, I like Kyle Hendricks a lot. He is, in my mind, an ace for sure. But sure, you would still love to have Yu Darvish in the road. But the thing is, I like the rotation. Now, of course, if you have Yu Darvish, you don't have Zach Davies. So, you know, sure, you'll take Yu Darvish. But I actually like Zach Davies and what he can do, potentially, going forward. And I like the Trevor Williams pickup from Pittsburgh. And Albert Azalei is the guy that I want to see blossom. His finally his chance. He's I think twenty six. He has finally earned this his shot in the rotation. Had a bad first start, but let's see what he does with the second one. If he can turn into a starter for the future, that's awesome because we've been hearing for a while that the Cubs don't have this. They don't have pitchers. Blah blah blah. So he could be that guy that they finally developed and turned into something. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it'll be it'll it'll be interesting what happens. Each obviously each side of the town are in different uh places as far as what their team is trying to do. But yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens and and with the teams uh, as the season progresses. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I know Brocano was at the White Sox Angels game last weekend, so I was oh, okay, having nice. fun. I was having I'm sad. fun. I'm sad there's not going to be any more Bro Connor reports. <laughs> I think I think there will. I don't know. So the the great thing about Black and Abdallah is that I think <laughs> I genuinely know when something is a bit versus when it's an unplanned roll with the punches bit. But I feel I have no idea. And I, now that I think about it, now I'm trying to remember now. I'm getting my days all confused. But I know there's. I think it was. Uh, was it? Thursday, yeah. Thursday's show, I believe, was very abbreviated because their White Sox game was delayed forever. So yeah. they did like a very quick podcast, but they did like a fourteen minute, yeah, um, fourteen minute show. show. So I was, was like, "What, really? They're doing a show right now?" I like, exactly. tuned in really quick when I saw because I was I was zooming, I, I was uh, on my Twitter timeline, and I was scrolling down. I was like. Oh, Black and Abdallah, seven forty to eight. What? Right, <laughs> I was like, right. Okay, I'll tune in. I didn't even, I didn't even know if they were on or if it was just like a podcast. But um, regardless, so I don't really know. And also this week, it's hard to say because they didn't get to it either way. But I think the bit was we have to say goodbye to Bro Connor. It doesn't make sense to do this bit anymore. The White Sox report, like we have the White Sox as our team now on the station. Yeah, but then Bro Connor was like, "Hey, I'm doing this, blah blah blah. Like, I'm still gonna do this." And so I thought the bit was, "Okay, we're gonna say goodbye to Bro Connor, but really, we're not. He's still gonna do his thing." That's what I think. We'll see how that oh, okay. plays out. I have no idea. That was my that's my assumption. Is that the idea? The bit was to remove the bit, but ultimately, Bro Connor will still be a thing. 
<laughs> I don't know. I could be wrong, but I'm hoping so because I remember when I, I called in a few months ago and they knew that I had Bro Connor on and Chris was like, uh, you know, he kind of spilled the beans, I guess, because he was like, what do you think about, you know, Bro Connor? I forget how he put it, but he was like, what do you think about Bro Connor no, no longer being on the show? And I was like, wait, what? He's like, oh, did I spill that? And that became a whole thing because Adam was like, how could you uh, how could you break Bro Connor's, you know, his heart like that? And, you know, I was just I was like, oh, what did I what did I unintentionally spill? But then, then, then Chris was like, hey, I, ha I have ideas. It's going to be fine. So I think the idea ended up being we're going to kill off the bit, but not really. I don't know. He could very well be off. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, hopefully bro, not. I, I love that. I love yeah. that. Like, it's like great. He, he, it's it's just, yeah. Just a, it's. They, I know they do a lot of different like things on there. It's fun the different bits and oh different, yeah. You know that's what I love is um, I love when it may not be a bit, but it is a bit unintentionally or very yeah. well is a bit. I don't know. I I feel like I can tell the difference, but. I don't know. That's what's, that's what's great about it. Um, also, I was just thinking about it because you were talking about you were looking at guy. Uh, you were looking up tweets of people that you trust from the White Sox perspective. Casey Bogoslaw, check him out. He knows his yeah, stuff. I've, we follow yeah. each other actually. Cool. So I'm yeah, gonna have him on, on actually. I'm gonna have him on soon to talk some socks as well. But I wanted to give him a shout out. He's also a a Bro Connor Black Abdala guy. Um, he knows them pretty well. So shout out Casey. But I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, for sure. But I really like when Black and Abdallah do their after party podcasts, and Black's like, "I'm not gonna edit this out." You hear like clunking or whatever going on in the background. He's like, "I'm not yeah, editing yeah. this out. I just gotta get this up." <laughs> but I think it's funny. I think it brings more humor to it when they're just like, "Yeah, whatever, fuck it. We're just gonna put this up." So, Salim, thanks for coming on the podcast. Good to get your insight on the Bulls, and I also want you to promote and plug your podcast and everything that you have. Yeah, no, thanks again for having me on. Um, it's always, it's fun. Like we've, we haven't obviously met officially, uh, hopefully one day we will, but it's fun. Like how we've connected just through like the black and Abdali ESPN 1000 listeners and just kind of always interact online. I like the, the little Simpsons gifts we send each other one day, one day I want to do a pod where we talk about the Simpsons. Too, oh so yeah, be, we should. Uh, <laughs> we should do that right now. We should just do yeah. like a little bit because we're going to keep talking anyway. We were just going to close just for the official podcast, but we could do that right now. We could talk Simpsons. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Like I, <laughs> I like watching like the re, re, like the older episodes yeah. more so than the new stuff. But like, I like the thing where we do, where we end each other's conversation by the Simpsons gifts. <laughs> exactly. I love, like, uh, yeah, exactly. I um, yeah, the older ones. In fact, Black and Abdullah were just talking about this. The older ones, I think everybody agrees, are so good. I don't even bother with the new ones, and I think it started with me back in college. I was like, I didn't have time to watch, so I was like, I'll catch the new ones. I'll catch them later, and then I just didn't. I just didn't care enough to get back. And so when I see them on TV now, I'm just like, eh, I could watch this, but I don't really care to. I'm like, they'll be there. I can always watch them, and maybe eventually I will catch up. And now. It's probably like a decade of new episodes I need to watch, but I'll still yeah. watch the old ones. I'll throw the old reruns on. There's nothing like those. No, for sure. Those are just hilarious. Like I love the little uh, all the parody parodies they do, and yep, it's such a it's such a funny. Um, like you know, you kind of grew, I grew up on The Simpsons essentially. Yeah, so for sure. It's one of those things that it just it never gets old. I used to have a mo thing where I used to like rewatch because i i used to buy like you know when they released the seasons on dvd i used to buy every like because every they would have like you know the big release 
day that they would do. So every every year or whatever they released it, I would go buy like the DVD um, seasons. Um, I stopped doing that. I think like at season nine, I think, um, just because like. DVDs kind of became whatever, and I didn't want to waste money anymore. Yeah, but now it's like you can find everything online anyway, so yeah, you can watch. Like I think I like I have Disney Plus, so they have the entire series essentially on there. Um, so you can watch. I, I was watching it for a little bit, and then I got into the newer stuff. Like it's okay. Like there's parts that are funny, but it's just not the same. It just I don't know. It's just like, exactly right. Yeah, it, it's not the same like level of like like wittiness right know? yeah yeah i'd have to watch some newer ones to probably gauge but yeah in my in my mind i think the new ones are good for what they are but they just don't compare to the old ones and i don't know if it's the writing i know conan used to do a few uh seasons back yeah, in the day yeah. and just just some of the uh the plots or the storylines but i'd have to watch the newer ones and really compare i feel like it's just old simpsons versus new simpsons they're not the same they both stand out on their own the older ones are just going to be more classic because we all remember what we grew up on the newer ones by itself sure they're probably funny or they probably are good for what they are but it just doesn't resonate the same way no exactly it just yeah it just i guess it's different and you know, after a while, it's also one of those shows was like, man, they've done so many different things. I'm just, how do they keep finding new things to, you know, do, I guess. But yeah, it's like I said, you know, it's, it's to go back, not to necessarily you know, Simpsons is funny. Like, like I said, you know, you have, you and I haven't officially met yet, but like, it's funny how we become friends just by, you know, interacting oh, yeah. on Twitter and online. And we have our funny little jokes that we do with each other and things like that. But yeah, but as far as following me, uh, yeah, you can follow me at Jordan dynasty on Twitter. And then my uh, co-host is Edward Schuler junior at Edward Schuler junior. And then our uh, podcast account is at bulls gold. So yeah. And you can listen to us on nothing but net radio on Tuesday mornings. Uh, it's a Dash Radio. Uh, you can download the app Tuesday mornings, 8 a.m. Central. And then you can also find us on all major and minor podcast uh, platforms. But yeah, thanks again for popping I on. Will, and yep. We'll do this again soon. Yeah, you too, man. Three, two, one, zero, zero.